Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati, ready to rip it up. Our bonus mailbag episode. If you want to get in on the bonus mailbag, you need to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, leave a review on Spotify, and send screenshots of those reviews to Mike or myself via DM. We'll make sure to get those questions on the podcast, on these bonus mailbags, etc. Uh, you also can go to speakpipe.com slash tailgate uh, to leave voicemails. You can leave live voicemails. you hear your voice on the podcast. Go to speakpipe.com slash tailgate to leave those voicemails. Let's get into it. early buzz kind of jam-packed today mike we have first and foremost kelly smiley you might not know her kelly smiley was a freaking awesome photographer for san diego state's newspaper i think she also did some stuff with the radio station at san diego state in my time when i was there i think she was a year under me i don't think she graduated in 2017 graduated in 2018 proud aztec goes viral goes viral because she is in this video where I think a lot of people have seen it. it's got six, 6.2 million views where there is a photographer, a woman who's taking a picture of Matthew Stafford and his wife on the stage at the Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl party. And she falls off this massive stage, like this eight foot stage. And in that same video, <laughs> in that same video, Matthew Stafford's wife like goes out to try and like support her, right? Like goes out to see if she's going to be okay. Matthew Stafford in that video just like turns a cold shoulder, starts drinking some water, working a water in after probably being tanked that entire parade. But I, I have a, on my Twitter, if you go to my Twitter, PFF underscore Austin Gale, I, I put out her GoFundMe link. Please, please, please consider donating to that or, or retweeting that. She is has a fractured spine, bro. Yeah. She has a fractured spine. We still follow each other on Instagram. She's like in this fucking full-on brace. It is bad news bears. Go support Kelly Smiley. And I know that viral video is hilarious. A lot of people laughed at it initially. But I, I when I looked at it again, I was like, wait, I think I know that girl. And then I saw in the replies that her name was mentioned and all that stuff. Man, that was uh, what a wild way to go viral breaking your back yeah that's i can't believe i mean i guess i can't believe but like that's that was a big stage they were on that was like an eight foot tall stage that she fell off of so not like i don't want to say not surprised that she got hurt but like that was a i would not have not a stage that you want to be walking near the edge of obviously so prayers out to her hopefully she makes a quick recovery but like people are roasting matt stafford for this for not going over there and helping don't what is your take what's he gonna do like what what is what is his what is what is he going to do in a moment like that he is very drunk and it is a stage to me the person that goes over the top when they're drunk trying to help someone is far worse than this the person who just like lets it be because there's a thousand people around obviously she's going to someone is going to give her the help she needs you are not in any position to do anything if you're Matt Stafford right there yeah maybe you show a little more concern but i don't like maybe you take a look, but I don't blame him whatsoever for not doing anything because he's in no position to you do anything. You are crazy for that. He's in no position to you do anything. You are crazy for that take. In that video, go and watch the video. He sees her fall, says, oh my God, turns around and leaves. The least he could do, the least he could do is literally say, hey, someone come over here and help her. Or like show you have like- no clue what he did after that. He may have. Shay. 
show is some level. Literally okay, goes. Quinn's got it up here. He's pulling it up on YouTube. But like, show a, a not more level of concern. Show any concern. That's where my <laughs> there is not an ounce of concern on this video. Like he's literally like, I want zero to do with that zero to do with someone like falling off an eight foot stage when his wife who literally also can't do anything she can't do anything she's not gonna jump off the stage and perform anything she just like goes over and she's like oh looks down on her like starts saying are you okay like i mean that's that's i mean i don't know i think he could have done at least that it looks like terrible in that video i would just say i this, if you're making a sweeping takeaway about Matt Stafford from this video, I just think you're wrong. No, okay. And There's no sort of sweeping takeaway. takeaways from this video. You guys hammered. But, like, it is it is objectively concerning that he does not care at all <laughs> in this video. I don't think it's objectively concerning. I think it's <laughs> really? just... All right, all right. We got the video on YouTube. That is insane. <laughs> I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen someone fall and cared less. <laughs> like I did, she fell off a fucking eight foot stage and that guy is gone, gone from the scene. Um, anyway, donate to the GoFundMe. Uh, it is uh, right there in the link. Thanks for showing that on the YouTube. If you do listen on YouTube, the other shout out, not the shout out, the other catch early buzz, something maybe we will agree on. Sam Acho goes on first take for ESPN. The other today. Acho. The other, the other Acho. Acho. The. Emmanuel Acho has been on this podcast before, I think, in the Save Your Likes or the Delete Your Tweet segment, whatever it's been. <laughs> this one, this one is absurd. So this is uh, Sam Acho goes on first take from ESPN and lists his top five quarterbacks. Not like top five quarterbacks in the season, not top five quarterbacks, you know, um, over the postseason. His top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Here's his list, Mike. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Matthew Safford at three. I'm going to read the top three again. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, then Aaron Rodgers, then Joe Burrow. And then there's this another segment where he like double down, doubles down on it. And like Patrick Mahomes is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. This, in my opinion, continues to go out to like, there's been some conversations about like content, right? Where like, why does the conversation have to be right after Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl? Is he a Hall of Famer? Why does the conversation after, um, you know, Joe Burrow goes to the Super Bowl. It's like, is he better than Patrick Mahomes? Like, they, people always have to, like, one-up, right? Like, content is, like, with, like, the goldfish brains of the masses. People are like, I just, I want virality. I want people screaming. I want Stephen A. Smith saying the Knicks are garbage for two minutes long on a rant, right? Like, that's what people want. This is an example of that, right? Like, there's not a lot of nuance to this top five list. What it is, though, is going to get everyone talking about first take and everyone talking about Sam Acho because it's polarizing, aggressive, not backed up, in my opinion, by a lot of you know actual data and fact. Well, my takeaway from this is that we get roasted here a lot from PFF being like, you guys didn't play, you guys weren't in the NFL. And then you look at the people who fucking did play, and these are the rankings they put out. Like, <laughs> like these are the people that should know football. Yeah. Now, if you played outside linebacker in the NFL like Sam Acho did, what the hell do you know about playing quarterback in the NFL? You know, you know. Probably less because usually, you know, you're focused, hyper-focused on your position. You're not taking into account, like you're not even, maybe you're debating what kind of, what kind of drops the opposing quarterback takes. You're not thinking about how they process the field, how they read coverages. You don't know shit about that because that's not your job and you're hyper-focused again on your job. So again, like the emphasis on former players and the, what the hate we get for not being former players, like former players only really specifies to the position you played. A lot of the guys in the NFL level, it's not their position. They could really give a shit. So this, to me, 
it's just another example of that of like just because you played the game does not give you some sort of leg up and some credibility and, and, leg up. And I think it goes beyond that too. For though, right? it goes on, purposes. My my take is it goes beyond that in that it's the pressure of first take, right? Like first take had lower third graphics, top five graphics built out for this stuff, knowing, knowing that it was going to be an absurd conversation to call Patrick Mahomes not a top five quarterback, to put Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow ahead of Patrick Mahomes, knowing that. But they they ran it, why? There's no like, there's no like, oh man, we should probably get ahead of this. This would look really dumb. They're like, no, guess what? This is gonna be hilarious. People are gonna be like losing their goddamn minds over this. We're gonna get everyone talking about this segment. And they even clipped that segment for their social media because they know people will go rabbit dog on this shit. Like people will, if he just said, okay, imagine if Acho did this. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Everyone be like, oh, pretty good list. No one's even talking about that segment. No one's talking about that segment at all. Like people act like, wow, when are we gonna see some good content? When the good content comes out, no one cares. The content that people want are just like absurd, absurd takes, like absurd takes. Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? Should Joe Burrow get his gold jacket tonight? You know, like that, they're, they're, that's what people want. Yeah, and like, sure. this is what we're getting. This is what we're getting. <laughs> this is what we get when like- I love when you go all content manager and talk about lower thirds. Like the people at home have any, any a lower third graphic <laughs> is a graphic that takes up the entire there it is quinn's throwing it up listener mailbag right there quinn if you're watching on youtube a lower third graphic is a graphic that takes up the lower third of the screen and when you see that espn segment it's not like oh my god acho's saying that they're not reacting to that live and building out those graphics like no we know acho's gonna go on here and say some crazy ass shit yeah. and we're gonna publish it on social because it's gonna be insane and they probably are like hey acho we got this good idea for you. Yes. Yeah. Let's see if I mean, you, you were on the Bachelorette. You want to run with this? You were on the Bachelorette. You know the type of shit yeah. that producers will say. Yeah, you want to do this? You yeah. want to tell your lover? Yeah. You want to didn't tell they, like, Patrick Mahomes he sucks to his face? Yeah. Didn't like a producer whisper and say, go up and kiss her? Like mm -hmm. right now? Like that's insane. That's the stuff that goes behind the Should scenes on these big ass shows. Producers are like, hey, Acho, leave Patrick Mahomes out of your top five. No, that's insane. Dude, do it. It's going to go viral. All right, fine. Hey, Mike, on the Bachelorette, why don't you go up to her and kiss her right now? Just don't even say anything. Are you serious? And you, you end up saying no, right? But yeah. guess what? If you did, you probably would have been viral. If you went up and just kissed her randomly in that Bachelorette show, you probably would have been a viral, it would have been a viral moment. But you decided not, not for to because you had some integrity, right? You had yeah. some integrity like, no, I'm not doing that because I Thank don't want to do that. I have some integrity. Not, some integrity. Not a lot. <laughs> All right, last thing here. I got off on a freaking absolute rant to start the show here. I'm excited about it. But the, the, save the best for last for the Catch and Early Buzz. I'm getting a new podcast co-host. Somewhat. Aiden Hutchinson, PFF's number one overall player in the 2022 NFL Draft, uh, the projected number one overall pick according to multiple sports books, is agreeing to do a podcast with me, a four-episode podcast with me and a bunch of other for his, you know, his family, his teammates, his opposition, all that stuff. A four-episode podcast, really detailing his start-to-finish story entering the 2022 NFL Draft, and I'm something I'm super excited about because, like, you guys have listened to this podcast for a long time. I've done a ton of interviews with players. I've done interviews with Aiden Hutchinson, but to have this opportunity to talk to Aiden at length about his process and about how he's prepared for the draft and his journey, his story, in addition to his family, his mom, his sister, his dad, um, teammates, coaches, all that stuff. I mean, this is going to be content on a number one overall pick that I don't think we've really ever seen before. And, my, and that sounds biased and that sounds kind of absurd, maybe even Acho-esque, but no one's coming out with this level of detail, four hours of content on a projected number one overall pick before the draft, right? Yeah. You'll see some ESPN game day stuff that's like 15, 20 minutes that goes in detail. You'll see some exclusive interviews with guys on NFL Now and all that stuff. He's even going on Colin Cowherd today. He, he let me know that this morning. 
but you're not going to see this. And you haven't seen this on a number one overall pick in quite some time. And if obviously, you know, projected number one overall pick, he could go one, he could go two. I don't think he falls that much further than that. But it's a project at PFF that we're obviously super excited about. That will be released in April 2022. Tailgate's not going anywhere. We're still going to hammer this podcast, obviously. Um, but Aiden and I will be working on that. In addition to big shout out to David Sofaro, public relations manager here at PFF, who is also a Michigan alum. Big, big push from him to get this thing under, you know, underway in addition to Radigan Sports, Hutchinson's uh, marketing agency. A lot of other people who will be managing that project, but a lot of shout outs there and exciting, exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, to see like something new we've never done before. Yeah. I'm excited to see how you approach it. Now, obviously, I'm not I'm separated from it to try to maintain some, some level of, you know, intellectual integrity here. Mm -hmm. Trying to get, go back to that integrity word to not have conflict of interest in being involved in the project with the guy who also we're high on in the draft was high on him before we even got involved in this project though so uh he's not moving from the number one spot in the pff draft board anytime soon even if it, you might find some stuff out about him that might be less than savory on the pod no, i'm excited we're not probably it, it i don't know how much that. of that we'll get into but we're definitely going to get into everything we possibly can also i want to say this though I, I found this out recently your twitter bio to bring up that you're finding a new co-host your twitter bio says host at tailgate mine says co-host do you think you're oh. like the main? Oh, is, no, is I, I, I apologize for that. I can change. I'm changing the bio right now. Change to co-host. That's on me. That's just, on me. I'm just saying. Do, do, do it's been think? updated. It's been updated. It says co-host on tailgate. I apologize. I thought everyone just says host. That's on me. That's on me. Shall we get to the bonus mailbag? That's dope. Before we do. Proud sponsor of the podcast. I always do that. DraftKings Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. Guess what? Guess how good I'm talking, Mike? How good am I talking? I'm talking between the mil. legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF at just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 years or older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. First mailbag question. This is from Joko Ba. Joko Ba, I feel like, has done a lot of mailbag. I've read that word a lot. He's coming at us and saying, did you see real improvement from Trey Pipkins? Should he be batting for a starting job next year? I will say yes. I love how did, specific that question is. I did Sometimes see it's real improvement. So Trey Pipkins tackle for the Chargers, drafted in the third round in 2019. Did I see real improvement? So, yes, but that's from a low, low bar. Like the dude who had a 54.8 overall grade back in 2020. Now, this year... 68.5, I don't think it was that. 68.5 overall grade, 173 snaps, filling it left tackle and right tackle in weeks 15 and 17 against the Chiefs and Broncos, respectively. Now, I don't think it was that big of an upgrade, to be honest, though, like as much as that overall grade might suggest. Only 31 pass, true pass sets over that time. His feet are still very bad. Should he compete for a starting job? No, you should set your sights higher. So he's a third-round pick, Go heading into year four all you can hope for him i mean you could hope for he develops in the star sure probably get to cut brian balaga but you should set your sights higher than him I, I do not feel great about his chance of being good in 2022. can you name without looking the college trey pipkins went to 
I looked right. Sorry, oh, okay. but I couldn't. Sioux Falls. Yeah. Sioux Falls graduate, third round pick in 2019, graduate of Sioux Falls. Has played over 900 snaps, a 68.5 PFF grade in 2021, but only over just you know, under 200 snaps played. Some good games down the stretch, right? I think he played over 50 snaps against KC in Denver, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot there. The sample size is small of good play for Trey Pipkins. Well, yeah, and even like he wasn't going up against great dudes either, like against Denver and KC. A lot of Frank Clark reps when he did go against Melvin Ingram. I think he hit him with spin move both times. Both times he was just like, no, they didn't even come close. This is from Bode808. Thoughts on Hawaii safety, Kahori Bethley. Any Hawaii prospects to know here? I apologize that I didn't get this one earlier because this is what guy originally declared. Safety originally declared for the draft, took his name out. And now he's transferring from Hawaii. Oh, is he transferring from so, Hawaii? He's transferring to Arizona State. Dude, that's State. brutal. This guy's obviously a Hawaii fan. I know. So so sorry to Bodie, 808. Uh, Bethel was a bad tackler, though. You didn't need him. I, I wasn't a big fan. Wow. So uh, the Hawaii prospect, no, is Calvin Turner. I believe he's in this draft. Um, wide receiver slash running back slash maybe return guy. Bad hands, though, man. 19 drops on 122 catch ball in his career. He, he's an interesting... I would, like I said, I'm not sure he's necessarily in this draft. I'm not sure he gets drafted, though, when he does come out. A little dynamic, though. So how does, how does, okay, here's a question that I kind of want to use as a tangent here. How does Hawaii recruit better? I feel like it's a very difficult school to recruit talent to because you have to make, if you're not recruiting, obviously, from Hawaii, like Hawaiian kids, you're going to have to convince people to like completely change their lifestyle because Hawaii as it gets you know painted as this obviously like this vacation destination that's awesome sunny all the time the beaches and all that stuff it's like legit a six-hour flight away from the west coast yeah. like if you you can't I don't know if you can even effectively recruit you know central east time zone right like they're they're gonna be kids they're just yeah. not willing to make that change in addition to being far it's also like Hawaii is all you've got, right? Like, it's like when you're in Hawaii, there's not a lot of traveling outside of Hawaii. You're fucking on an island. So I do think that Hawaii is in a tough spot to, like, ever really, really compete, even if on the outside you're like, what? You can't get kids to go to play in Hawaii? But it's like, man, the lifestyle is just such a different change there. Yeah, it's too far removed from basically the rest of the USA. Yeah. That, like, if you are in California, even, like, the closest place you can get, you're in San Diego. Mm Mm-hmm. You're still what four, like three time zones ahead. Like it's still like going across the country anywhere else. So it's just a wild. And um, when I was covering San Diego State, there were a lot of conversations about how they often recruited from Hawaii. Some of their best players came over from Hawaii because there are a lot of kids that want to get to yeah, how they phrase it, the mainland. Remember we had that conversation. Do you remember a long time ago on the podcast we talked about who is the Hawaii quarterback that we kind oh, of like yeah. the seventh rounder? He had the white dreads. And then he I shaved exactly once he got to the mainland. About. I don't remember what his oh, name was. but The voiced this, guy with dreads. This is bad podcast content. But I remember oh, I us both them. being like, oh, he's kind of got some, some moves to him. Once he gets to the mainland, maybe we'll see him improve. But yeah, Hawaii in a tough spot. All right, this is from McDonald. Ob- Mo- Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald. That's it. That's it. This is from Obungalu. Most important traits for each position. Most overrated traits at each position. Ooh, let's get some debate here. Okay. Start with quarterback. Quarterback, the most important trait is processing. Speed. Most overrated traits, traits arm strength. Really? Yes. You just there's a lot of arms that win that can win with. And I, I, now I hate the sort of phrasing of this question. Not okay. I don't hate the phrasing of this question. I hate the juxtaposition of arm strength is still important. Mm-hmm. Processing is not the end all be all. 
Like, okay. you know, like with all this, it's like, yes, it's the most important, but it's the most important in like a grab bag of a lot of different mm-hmm. things that I, I guess being a lead at processing, it's like, if you're a lead in anything, what do you want to be a lead at processing? I think something that gets underrated a bit, and even because, I, I, okay, I'm not even disagreeing with your most mm-hmm. important or your most overrated, but your most, maybe the most underrated, and I think it gets underrated even because of some of the work that PFF has done about how volatile play under pressure is, but like pocket presence. Like pocket yeah. presence, I think, can oftentimes get underrated compared to processing arm talent mobility. It's like, no... The ability to manipulate a pocket and stand within a pocket, it's its more than mobility, right? Yeah. Like there's a difference between mobility and pocket presence. And I think pocket presence gets underrated because so many people are like, what do you mean he's bad under pressure? He can move. He can get out of things. It's like, no, like Joe Burrow has really good pocket presence, but doesn't have great mobility. Yeah. And it's honestly more valuable than even guys that do have mobility. Running back. Uh, I think the most important trait for running back is burst, explosiveness, whatever you want to call it. The ability to get up to speed quickly from a standstill. Very important. Um, most overrated is probably like power. I think size in and of itself is not super valuable at the running back position. And yeah, there's almost like a size threshold to play running back in the NFL. You can't have guys, not a lot of guys hacking it like in the 195. But I think the NFL puts a big emphasis on like 220 plus guys at that position when I, I think you want, I think other traits are just more important. So I think it's the most overrated one. I don't have many disagreements there. I think agility is something that comes out a lot. And I think burst is in that, right? Explosiveness helps you force missed tackles and that stuff. But wide receiver. Shiftiness, agility, whatever you want to call it. That's the most important trait for wide receiver. My opinion, cones, three cone, that thing. Speed's probably the most overrated. Speed in of itself is not necessarily can be impactful, but it's like you want speed in your offense, go sign John Ross. You know, like there's speed is available without the ability to play and do other things at wide receiver. You can go find that. But oftentimes in the draft, it gets way overdrafted because teams think of what it could turn into where, like I said, shiftiness, the ability to create space, Always, always wins. So what? expand more on why you think speed gets overvalued in the draft, right? Because I think every year, over the last five years, we've often seen the fastest guy right, get drafted ahead of maybe even better shiftier players. It's It goes back to that, like, what can you be? The thought of if you run a 4-3, you can be everything. You're built like Henry Ruggs. You can, you know, you can run every route then at a high level, theoretically. But oftentimes it stays theoretical because guys with speed struggle to do other things about playing receiver like stop. You know, even as much, even something as simple as that, like just running in a straight line fast is great, but it's only good if you can then stop fast and sell that go route to then get open on a hitch route. Because if not, from off coverage, you're never going to overtake cornerbacks in the NFL with straight speed guys will just stay off you and make you way underneath and a lot of guys can't tight end i this one is different because i think speed is the most important trait for a tight end and this goes back to something i've said a lot about the route tree that a tight end runs are over routes flat routes seams where 
those are speed routes. Speed route tree. Being fast, running fast linebackers helps. I think hands or just like, I'm not sure the most overrated one. Hands is probably not a good way to put it. More like production at tight end in college. It's somewhat important, but like just racking up yards as a tight end is oftentimes a facet of your offense that you're in. So there. Offensive line. All right. O-line, I think balance is the most important. I've said that a ton. Uh, and I think power is probably the most overrated. I, I think the guys that can really you know, crush a double team look great in college. But movement is, I don't want to say a myth at the NFL level. It does happen. The, I'd, I'd venture to say 80% of successful blocks in the NFL, though, run blocks, are not movement-related have nothing to do with taking a guy off the line of scrimmage. And pummeling him into the dirt. Exactly. like they, That's just the athletes are too good. Guys' technique is too good. On, along the defensive line, they hold up and can anchor and stop in their tracks. So at that point, the vast majority of good blocks are literally controlling hand position, hand strength, that sort of thing, not just raw people-moving ability. I also, and watching tape with you, specifically offensive line play over the last like three or four years, I think I've you know grown, It's it's been more apparent to me how important balance is. And I think, and you have this list for defensive line, a little bit of a tease here, you have the most important trait is explosiveness. But I think right after balance for offensive line, you do need to be explosive. You need yeah. to come out of your stance hot to get into position yeah. to get these blocks off, right? And it's not even so much, you need to be so explosive so the defensive lineman's on his back within the first three seconds, but it's to get into you know the different positions you need to get into to successfully block in the run game. But like you said, you have listed here, defensive line, most important strength, explosiveness, most overrated length. Yeah, I, I just think explosiveness is obvious. Getting off the ball helps. Now, length is there's like a spectrum of length. It almost goes back to kind of like the size com size thing for running backs where like there's a lot of arm lengths that can win with. Obviously you prefer longer, but like guys that use their length correctly, guys that know how to keep themselves clean at, the, at some point doesn't necessarily really matter. So um, I just think length and when we'll draft that 34 plus inch arm D lineman in the, you know, fourth round thinking he's a project when that's not always uh what win not always a path to success like there's like i said a lot of different body types that win still linebacker what do you got i think explosiveness is the most important for a linebacker whereas speed can get overrated at the position now that's a little close there's similar things but i think the ability it's just such a short area position and yeah, like sideline to sideline is nice. You would like that, but it's not nearly as important as how you can close in the first five yards and how you can like explode into a block. Whereas if you're just fast, you might not be a guy that can do that. I throw processing in there pretty high as well for linebackers. Just yeah. knowing that like if you are an elite processor at linebacker, even if you aren't the most explosive at the position, you can make up for a lot of that with being the first to the football and being the first to the play, knowing, you know, play recognition and football IQ and all that stuff. And I think you've seen that with some of the best linebackers. It's the the rare Hall of Fame type linebackers are the guys that have both, right? Explosiveness and this processing that's so quick. Those are the Luke Keekleys, the Bobby Wagners in their primes, right? But guys that just have explosiveness but maybe aren't in the Keekley tier of 
processing is maybe like you know Devin White or other linebackers that maybe have some of these explosive things but don't aren't there yet from a processing standpoint. All right, cornerback. I think speed is the most important trait for cornerback. Um, yeah, it just you have to be fast to to a degree. Now, again, you can be on the slower end of the spectrum, but speed helps a lot. Um, I think size gets a little overrated at the cornerback position. Uh, you'll just there's just a lot of big corners out there that can't stick with receivers save their life, and again. A lot of that is scheme specific, but I do this think size is not the just gets overrated. Like I said, I don't I don't know how to like I don't know how to like argue against because size still is important. Like the overrated stuff is just like people think it's like people have these size cutoffs where I think there's a number of ways to win. What, what would, but even for height though, more of the size cutoffs are more for like arm length and stuff, right? Or do, are there? I mean, I guess if you five ten, five eleven, there are teams that yeah. just don't covet those types. Of or even just like weight and size and weight, height and weight. I, I would argue that arm length is more important than size and weight, and for cornerbacks yeah. at some in certain areas, right? I think that's where you actually are losing at the catch point because of yeah. you know a lack of size. Uh, safety, last but not least, I think change of direction ability is probably the most important for a safety because you're kind of you're. You're never really working in a complete straight line. Now, obviously, you would prefer that, like angles wise, to take straight lines to the ball, but it never is that clean at that position. So, being able to change directions, being able to adjust, exceedingly important for pretty much everything they do. Hit power, big hits, that to me gets overrated at that position. Guys that can lay the wood, so to speak. I just don't think it's that super valuable once you get to the NFL. I mean, not nearly anymore, right? With the penalties and that, and that stuff, yeah. right? Like if you if you are this big, bag, big hitting safety, you're not able to even like execute a lot of that stuff, right? Like Dante Whitner is not Sean like, Goldson. You're not you're not doing that anymore. And if you are, you're getting penalized for it and you're screwed. You need yeah. guys that are attacking the ball. And like that's where like ball skills come really important as well. Like guys who can actually like, you know, earn pass breakups and earn interceptions at that position are rare in the NFL and and more valuable than guys that would just like completely decleat guys back in the day. Uh, that was a fun that was a fun question. This is from mom 0192027747. Are you going to the combine? Are you going to do the drills? We are going to the combine. Mm-hmm. We're not. We have no plans on doing the drills, but we should do. We should do the combine drill somewhere. That would be fun. Yeah. I don't think we could do it in Indy. They don't let any media into the actual stadium. We should try to get Dave took us up with the bubble at Cincy. Get us in that. Oh, that would be kind of sick. Do our own little pro day. What drills would you want to do? What all drills would you want to do? All of all them. them? <laughs> would you go two twenty five rep two twenty five three get cone, my Jared Averdares reps in my four reps. Uh, I mean, it's, you do the whole thing except for the shuttles. Shuttles stink. Short, the sit long shuttles. 43 cone. Yeah. 220 bench. Yeah. Broad vert. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, you cover the short shuttle. But you can't do the bench and the other drills in the same day as Athletes First is saying they're bitching about that. Oh, cause, really? Because the NFL is making that change. I agree, though. You shouldn't have to lift and then try to do on field work the exact same day. That just doesn't seem honestly safe to me. So. Wow. I think I could probably get two reps at 225. When's the last time you lifted? It's been a while. Okay. No, you couldn't get two reps at 225. <laughs> it just, like, it goes too yeah, fast. Yeah. I, think, I think, I think, I think, mean, but if I, was, like, I if I train for it, if, if I, I gave you a month, for, yeah, yeah. If I gave, From now, gave you a month. If we started now and we do it after the combine, I could see that. Yeah. I could get to that point. Possibly. But, like, if you just go cold out of your, no, no way. I'm going to try it today. 
I got to go sprint if we're going to sprint. I don't sprint enough. G-Wagon 313 on Apple Podcasts. Would Panay Sewell be the first pick this year? Is top of the second too rich for Chad Muma? Panay Sewell probably would. I I think he probably would be. Positional value-wise, you might lean Hutch. But, yeah, I think age, still a valuable position to tackle. I, 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 I agree. Think I think he would be as well. I mean, now you're seeing DraftKings Sportsbook – Pivot. Evan Neal is now the projected favorite, plus 150, and, and Aiden Hutchinson, I think, is plus 175 to be the number one overall pick. With the Jacksonville Jaguars picking number one overall, I do think that Panay Sewell would have been the pick. Like, yeah. I mean, especially you know, Panay Sewell could come and play right tackle if they do like Walker Little. I think all, all of that, I think he'd be the like minus 200 to be the number one overall pick in this class. That's how good he is, but also it yeah. like really fits like what the Jacksonville Jaguars are probably looking for at number one overall. Would I take him? I think I would do as well, and I think the Jacksonville Jaguars would definitely. All right, top of the second two, Richard Chad Muma. Uh, slightly. I think there might be better values there, possibly, but I, not too much like that. It wouldn't be like a, it wouldn't be like, well, that's a big reach if he came off the board top of the second. Not at all. I think it's a bit of a reach for me. I don't know if yeah, I would have I mean, Chad is. that high, but maybe. All right. Todd it, it, is, I mean, like I said, it is a reach, but it's not like egregious. Todd is boy on Apple Podcasts. He's definitely asked, her, asked questions before. If schemed correctly, could LaVisca Chenault Jr. bounce back? What 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 way should he be used? Yes. Yes, he can. And a lot of, man, a lot of struggles last year seemed like confidence-driven. Like he had drop issues last year and never had drops at Colorado, didn't have drops as a rookie. And there's another guy who was so raw coming out and then didn't have any pre-draft process because of the injury. So he was always a project. I believe in his ability, but like he's a slot. He's a guy that thrives with scheme touches to the, get the ball in his hands, and he didn't get a ton of that last year with the Jaguars. So just stick ETN at running back, have this dude be your slot receiver, find some outside receivers for T Law, and you're golden. I think a lot of people want to put him in this Debo Samuel role. It, would he even be as good as Debo Samuel in that role, though? I mean, what are you saying here? Are you serious? What do you mean? <laughs> Who would be as good as Devo Samuel in that role? Would he probably be as no, good as Derrick Henry at running back? No, he probably wouldn't be as good as Derrick Henry at running back. Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? I, I don't think no. I mean, like he's not gonna be as good as Debo Samuel, but like he could be very effective in that role. He could be better. More than, effective than the role than he is in yes. now. Yes. Yes, yes. Jameson Schumacher. This is about my seventh mailbag question. Austin it's Shoemaker. <laughs> God damn it. He just got you. <laughs> Jameson Shoemaker. That's ridiculous. It should be Schumacher. I'm calling him Schumacher. Questions are, what are each of your guys' favorite positions to evaluate? And which positions do you think each of you are better than the average scout at evaluating? Not with PFF and running backs and stuff, just in terms of your gut opinion. Okay, my favorite is probably quarterback. Not that, I'm not saying I'm good at evaluating quarterbacks. I like to evaluate them, though, because there's so much. There's just It's the most complex position. There's a lot of meat on the bone. There's just, you can analyze anything you fucking want. Like there's so many paths to success for a quarterback of like what can win that it's just fun to evaluate. Like that's what I'm going back to and I enjoy watching quarterbacks in terms of like. I think my favorite out. position to evaluate is actually pass rusher. I think because it's, I mean, it's very, it's it's simpler in my opinion than some of the other positions. I think you can more quickly. You're the like, opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum. <laughs> simpler. Uh, I'd also say that's the one I'm probably better than that than the average scout. Maybe it is because it's simpler. But I think other than that too, I think I think offensive line is another one that I like watching as well. Yeah, I, I struggle to say. I don't know the average scouts. 
how good they are at evaluating what position or whatever. But if there were any position, but it's the best position probably I feel best about my evals is defensive tackle over the years. Um, I just think there are tried and true uh, types of players that succeed at that position. And we've had a good track record over the years identifying those. Makes sense. There you go. Mendo's QM. What are the five worst contracts in the NFL? And who do you think gets overpaid this offseason? It's a fun one. There's a number of tough looking ones out there. I can't believe Frank Clark is not number one on your list. Not either. number one on the list because this guy, Leonard Williams, Giants defensive tackle, when it was signed, it was one, it was signed purely as a job saving measure. This was a it was a disgusting contract for Dave Gelman sign. I'm just going to go out there and say it. It was, I want another year of on after this year. Because his first year of his cap hit was $8 million last year to get him under. This, uh, this upcoming season is $27 million and they can't cut him. Leonard Williams, a not top 10 defensive tackle in the NFL. Maybe top 20. You can maybe convince me he's top 20, but he's not a top 10 defensive tackle. And he's hit to costing $27 million against your cap this year because Dave Gelman kept him to try to save his job. That is gross. In my when opinion. I first reacted to the Leonard Williams contract, I had Giants fans wanting me dead in the street. It was a bad contract when it was signed. Like He is not a guy that at that volume affects the passing game yeah. enough. Like, period. He's a good run defender. And everyone has said that about Leonard Williams since he was drafted. Yeah. He's not good enough as a pass rusher, which is going to ring true with a handful of names on this list, to pay him that much money. You need to be positively affecting the passing game, whether it's offensively or defensively, if you're going to be making 28 mil plus and being non-quarterback. So I'm in agreement there. Yes. Um, he makes $8 million more a year than Javon Hargrave did, who signed in free agency the year prior. Javon Hargrave is one of the top three highest graded pass rushers. Leonard Williams is not. Uh, all right, number two on this list. And so that's $27.3 million this year, cap this year. They can't cut him. It'll cost them more to cut him this year if they do. $8.3 million against the cap in 2023 if they cut him that season. That's a bad contract. Zeke Elliott's number two on this list. He is costing the Cowboys $18 million against their cap this year. And they, again, can't cut him or else they're going to take on more cap or spread it out more into – Multiple years, and then next year to just cut him in 2023 will cost the Cowboys $11.8 million. And there's no way they do it. No I think they do at that point. Do you think they cut him? This could be 29 at that point and has been relatively ineffective, ineffective excuse me, for the past couple of years. I, I think they do. My God. And I know. And that's the definition of an ugly contract. Frank Clark here, number three on the list. 26. I think there are arguments for Frank Clark to be one. No, well, no, I don't think so because I'm okay. So over the course of the contract, possibly, mm -hmm. and like considering right now, that they gave him saying. a first rounder to give up, I'm more doing it like right now. The ugliest contracts going forward. His is not super ugly. Twenty six point three million dollars against cap this year, but they can get out from under it and only take a thirteen point six million dollar cap hit if they so choose. Twenty seven point eight million dollars next year, if they want to keep him on. Uh, me thinks he ain't making it to the end of that deal. Yeah, there's no way. He has been one of the least effective pass rushers in the NFL, and that's not even adjusting for how much he's being paid. Yeah, this one, number four on this list, honestly has somewhat of a conversation for going higher. And it's Fletcher Cox, the defensive tackle for the Eagles. And now 
he's still f- solid. Like he's he's not a bad player by any means, but he has taken a distinct step back from when this deal was signed. He earned a 66.7 overall grade this past season. And he is on the books for $14.9 million against the cap next year. Can't cut him. 12.7 against the cap in 2023. Again, can't cut him. And then in 2024, his contract voids, leaving over $16.9 million in void money still. Yikes. So he's going to count $16.9 million against the cap in 2024 to not play for the Philadelphia Eagles. That is insane. That one's insane. That one's a thanks for the Super Bowl type of deal. Fletcher Cox being around for his – that's paying back for his prime, I guess, because he was yeah. held in the same light, not not equally, but like it was Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox like yeah. right in his prime. And now, obviously, that isn't the conversation. But, man, that is a lot of money to where like even if he – you know, plays, you know, continues to play at an average to above average level, say like in the 75 to 80 grade range, it's just an absurd amount of money to dump into Fletcher Cox. And there's a lot of reason to believe that it won't be like bouncing back for Fletcher Cox as he gets older. Last of the top five worst contracts. Last top five worst contracts is Janu Smith, who counts $13.7 million against the Pats cap in 2022, 14.75 in 2023. And this past season, he had 28 catches. 293 yards. He doesn't even play a lot. Including the playoffs. 545 snaps, including the playoffs. So that was a Belichick, Galaxy Brain, whatever, terrible move in retrospect. And again, they can't cut him this year. Could theoretically cut him in 2023. That's when you're getting out from under it. But then you're still putting some cap space into 2024 at that point. So yuck. I was under the assumption that when they made the move for Hunter Henry and John New Smith, and I think everyone was, is that you would have saw a lot of 12 personnel from mm-hmm. the New England Patriots. And like they had they ran 12 personnel at one of the lowest rates in the NFL last year. Not just didn't run like not just didn't run a lot of it, but they barely ran any of it. Why on earth did they sign two tight ends, Hunter Henry and John Smith, in the same offseason to monster contracts, like top end deal contracts, if they weren't going to play them on the field at the same time often? Like not even just a lot, but even often, like they did last year. I, I just don't understand that rationale. It sounds like you think you know more than Bill Belichick. See, that's not the conversation I want to get into. I guess but I'm no, just confused. So it sounds like. It sounds I'm, like I'm confused you know at why you do that. All right. This is from Ajax1624. Love the pod. Keep up the great content. couple receiver questions. Since no wide receiver is a total package chase type, what offense or NFL receiver pairing would highlight each of the top receiver skill sets best? He also asked, why is Renner such a hater on Christian Watson? Multiple of the draft shows are super high on his senior bowl week, and Renner was very meh. It was because Is it it because he's 6'4 and fast with a green and gold uniform? Doesn't scream MVS vibes, but he has better hands. What round would you be okay with the Packers drafting Watson? I think third, end of the third round, I'd take a chance on a guy like Christian Watson. I wasn't a hater on it. I didn't feel like you're a hater. hater. You give up hater vibes. a guy who was good. Like, it wasn't. Anything completely special. I mean, he's very good. Good prospect. Top 100 guy on PFF draft board. 100th, in fact. Um, But, like, still a little bit of a skinnier wide receiver who didn't beat bad corners at the senior bowl, but, like, didn't really, like, go to town on them that we were thinking about, you know, drafting that guy in the first, second round. So I'm intrigued by him. Intrigued by how he tests the combine. Now, top wide receivers, I've talked about the first tier on the PFF board, Drake London, Jameson Williams, Garrett Williams. So let's, I, I, I did more, so you asked for offense. I, I just more just like role 
of where this guy should, how he should be featured at the NFL level. Drake London, I think I may have said this one before, but I think Michael Thomas, how he was used with the Saints, that's how you want to use Drake London. A lot of targets, a lot underneath, a lot of option routes, let him go to work and build that rapport with quarterback. He's going to be your quarterback's best friend. Jamison Williams, I didn't have a great one for this. I mean, like Tyreek Hill, year two, is probably like your ideal with Jamison Williams, where it's just that guy's running over routes, over routes, over routes, getting the ball in his hands. It's a little different than Tyreek Hill's usage now. It was back then. So I think that's probably a good one. So I'm trying to think of like who runs that kind of, who does that nowadays. And I was struggling to think of it. You know, DK Metcalf route tree, if you're going to like put him as a static outside mm-hmm. wide receiver, that's where he wins. So that's what I'd say for him. Garrett Wilson, I really like him in a Jalen Waddle-esque role down in Miami. And I know people hated that for Jalen Waddle, but I think Garrett Wilson would succeed in it. And that's it's a lot of scheme touches, a lot of like flat routes for Jalen Waddle, but then also like, and a lot of times he's the guy going in motion in your offense getting him a free release. And then once you get him a free release, like Gary Wilson will tear you apart. So that's like an intermediate route tree was where Waddle was cleaning up out routes, dig routes, slant routes. Garrett Wilson can rake at that. And again, like be that kind of movable chess piece that defenses are going to have to account for because he's so dynamic with the ball in his hands and against off cover. Yeah, people hated that role for Jalen Waddle, but it does make more sense yeah. for Garrett Wilson. Waddle, I think, had one of the lowest average depths of targets of any like receiver in the NFL last year because mm-hmm. of how often he was you know, uh, targeted at or behind the line of scrimmage. I think you do that with Wilson, you're going to probably have more success. All right, Eastside Zach on Twitter. Power rank favorite your favorite players from your childhood. Wow, go ahead. This one's tough. Uh, they're all Packers, obviously. Jeez. Reggie White, number one, though. This was the hot debate. Re- Reggie White versus Brett Favre. I remember crying as a kid after Reggie died. Um, and they did a montage the, the game after at Lambeau. That was very emotional. Um, Sorry but I also cried after Brett Favre retired. And I was a senior in high school then when he retired. Jesus. So that was like, those were two uh, very... You cried as a senior in high school when you retired? Yeah. I was in class actually when I found out. I started crying. Oh my God. Um, yearbook, first period. Third on the list, probably Donald Driver. Now, if we like extend childhood out to like senior in high school, maybe I guess I wasn't was still I was in college when Clay Matthews got drafted. Like Clay Matthews by the end was probably like one of my favorites. But Donald Driver, I also like Javon Walker a lot. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of screwed the pooch. But Donald Driver. So those are my top three. Reggie White, Brett Favre, Donald Driver. We're talking non-packers. Barry Sanders was electric growing up. I remember being like, asking my dad, I'm like, why did he retire? He was so good. My dad's like, I don't fucking know. It's like some guys, Stop crying. guys just retired. Yeah. <laughs> so I was pissed when Barry Sanders retired. Ray Lewis was another one of my favorites. Ray Lewis is on my list. The Ray Lewis dance. I tried to do it as a kid. Thank God there was no camera phones back then because it probably was not good. I mean, it probably was not good. It was not good. But if I was a kid nowadays, I definitely would have recorded myself doing it like a fucking simp. So Ray Lewis, number two. And then three, Damian Tomlinson, LT. Oh, had man. an LT jersey. The jerseys were sick. The 26, eight touchdown year? Wow, man. The record-breaking year was sick. Obviously, you probably hated them. 
But those are my three not favorite non-Packers. Yeah, I think there are not a lot of Raiders on my list. Like there were not in my childhood a lot of good Raiders players. I think if I had to, if you like put a Raider on your list, it would be either Shane Leckler or Sebastian Janikowski. Like they were actually good in our in like my childhood years of following the Raiders and like guys like Antonio Gates. Philip Rivers, Tony Gonzalez, LT, nah. None, none of those guys are my favorite players. I fucking hated those players. Um, my actual favorite player is Steve Smith Sr. I've always said this, but Steve Smith Sr. was one of my oh, favorite yeah. players. You love Steve in, Smith. In, uh, when he was in his peak. I also really liked Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden was high on my list. I had a full-sized, the size of like that wall of a Clay Matthews fathead. He was my favorite defensive player there we go. when I was a kid. Uh, I was too. a big Clay Matthews guy. And um, those are probably like my three. I also was a big Paul Pozlesny guy. I thought Pozlesny was fun to watch. Oh, I, I also honorable mention to Edron James. I had Edron James's shoes back in the day. Oh, wow. If, if you, they were the coolest shoes that I ever had as a kid. Go look up Edron James shoes. I had these, they were like suede and brown. What? They were so sick. Go look them up right now. I'm Edron James up. shoes. They're like this brown suede ones. There's pics right on Google. First page. They were awesome. Those are hurt. Those were awesome shoes. They but then absurd. he kind of like, I might have to get a pair for you for Christmas. They were if you can find a pair of Edron James shoes, I will purchase them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um I think quarterbacks that I liked, I loved Brett Favre. I was a huge Peyton Manning guy. I loved Peyton Manning when I was a kid. Oh, no. Um, Quinn's about to put up the picture of Edron James' shoes, and they are not, those are not the ones that I had. Let's just say you that. You didn't have those? those? Those are terrible. Those ones are tough. Dude. The, the Edron James, they were like brown suede versions. I mean, that's like the style, I believe, of the shoe, but these were brown suede instead of whatever the fork that is. Dude, did you... Did your dad get you those after you were crying when Brett Favre retired? Like, I don't know. Like, those are, like, absolutely no. heinous. Those no. are heinous. Those are heinous. Well, that's going to do it for the bonus mailbag. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. When you do, leave a question in the Apple Podcast Reviews or Spotify Reviews. Send us them on Twitter. We'll make sure to get them into the podcast. We're also going to continue to do speak pipes. Uh, go to speakpipe.com slash tailgate to leave voicemails for the podcast. I want to do speak pipes every week. Every single week. We're doing mailbags every single week as well. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate.